It's Wednesday, March 10th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? It's going. Awesome. 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 Okay. This is a fun one uh, today in tech history. Y'all ready for this? I am. You ready for this? Okay. March 9th, 1999. Who said this? I'm going to tell you what happened, and then you tell me who said it. There was an interview on CNN's late edition, in which this certain gentleman said, during my service in the United States Congress, I took the initiative in creating the internet. I took the initiative in moving forward a whole range of initiatives that have proven to be important to our country's economic growth and environmental protection. Yep. Who is the guy who lost the bush? <laughs> <laughs> Improvements in our educational system. This is the famous, or the infamous rather uh, statement, yes, which will be boy. widely misquoted as, I invented the internet. That was March yep. 9th, 1999. That that sounds about right. Now, when when did the series of tubes quote happen? Mm, I don't know. I don't if that was that before right or now. after. Yeah, but the, the actual quote not is the dump truck. I believe it was after. Yeah, I think you're right. The actual quote, though, I took the initiative in creating the internet, not I invented the internet, which is what is often remembered for United States Vice President that's Al Gore. Because that's now close, what did he mean close enough different than that? <laughs> exactly. So you're telling me that he was not trying to take credit for the internet with that statement? Was was that no, just the initiative for creating it? It's a first mover person. thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it was purposefully very vague so that we could be interpreted as him inventing the internet. That's you think we can get him on the show? Let's get him. Yeah, on the I'll show. reach out. Let's I'll settle out. this thing right now. I mean, we're using his invention, obviously, to do the show. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Let me let me look and see. Oh yeah, zero percent of anyone crazy famous has uh, has agreed to join the show. Uh, we had Gina Minks on. Last Solid time. percentage. Anyway, well, I'll say this way: any way that anyone that we're not really like tangentially related to or work with, etc., just like somebody that does not know us, they're not taking the bait yet. Which I don't know how good of a bait it is. We're just saying, uh, hey, can you? Will you come on the show? Can we talk to you about this? So maybe we oh need well. better bait. Better bait? bait. Should we try nightcrawlers? Do we bribe Al Gore? No, I, I think know. we send more gifts because gifts oh. are kind of like they're fluid, okay. they're kind of live. <laughs> gifts. Like too many of it's just like plain text, and that's boring. We need more gifts. <laughs> that is boring. I think you're right. And that, I by the way, that's right. the appropriate way to pronounce it. Just so everyone's clear. It's not Jif. It is not. That is a form of peanut butter. Yeah. See, mm. I'm with you, but I think we're both wrong. No, we're not. Trust me. You're wrong. Um, yeah. We're not. Ty, I knew Tyler was going to say that. All right. What do we have for the show? What kind of news do we have? Uh, well, we have news now that Tyler is experiencing what it feels like to be wrong. So that's cool. <laughs> but we also have uh, we have some kind of cool stuff about Stadia. I don't think we've talked about like game streaming in a while. I've got two things yeah, has been a while. about it. One of which is somewhat disappointing. I actually don't have the article in the show notes, but I did read it a couple days ago from uh, a service called Shadow. Have either one of you heard of Shadow? Nope. No. I mean, I am aware kind of, of Shadows. Yeah, you know about Shadows and like how light affects like objects yeah. and then the way. Yeah, no, this is not related Vice to those. Versa, but yeah, but uh, that's good that you do know those. So you're actually, mm-hmm. I mean, you're directionally I'm halfway there, something at least, morning, which is wonderful. <laughs> Uh, the uh for for shadow is one of the ogs in the space i mean it's uh it actually somehow they get around some of the issues that other streaming services have ran into like geforce now where the publishers prevented geforce now from using 
their titles on the service because I guess they just mm-hmm. didn't agree with the business model. Uh, Shadow doesn't have that problem, uh, but Shadow does have another problem in that it filed for bankruptcy, uh, which you know, I, I, I see as a pretty bad leading indicator, not necessarily just because it filed for it's bankruptcy. It's not great. But the <laughs> just the circumstance with which it did. I mean, we are currently sitting in a situation where for the last year, everyone oh. has sat at home. And yeah. not only that, but you're in a situation where people cannot purchase new consoles or computer parts because they're How's not available. So, and so somehow Shadow is filing for bankruptcy in that environment, I don't think the model is going to work. Yeah. No, that, that's pretty ugly. But I'm, I'm curious too, because I, I feel like I at least catch a lot of the game streaming news and stuff like that. And I really hadn't heard of Shadow as a service. So they clearly had a marketing problem. Their reach was incredibly small on average. Typical startup issues. Nine out of 10. Well, sure. Yeah, but you know uh, how some of the other ones have been more successful or maybe not in this space, but by just catching the right news, the right time, hell, Facebook ads probably would have taken them forward. But my, my point is, um, I'm curious where, how it is that they were actually drugged down the bankruptcy path, right? Because it's, it's almost certainly based on the commentary you just made mismanagement, right? Like unwilling to invest because you guys are a train wreck or, they literally just weren't scaling at all because startups right now don't have to make money. They, they get new money. It's, it's like a pyramid scheme until they're, they're huge. Right. That's, so, that's very true. Um, I would you, state that in this particular instance, I, I think I have a reason or, or I think I, I kind of know why. Let me I mean, drop some can, facts on you real quick, please. So it looks like they it look, and I don't know the answer to Tyler's question. I think you've got a little bit of insight into that. But here's some quick facts on uh, what was going on with them. In 2019, th- well, so they're actually, they were developed under a French company named Blade, which is another cool company name like that. Uh, so why they didn't succeed, I don't know. Half vampire, but, half human. Uh, there you go. In, hey, Walker. Uh, in, in 2019, they raised another 30 million euros uh, following the arrival of uh, Google in the cloud gaming sector with Stadia, right? And then in tw- October of 2019, they had more than 70,000 users. By November of 2020, they announced having more than 100,000 active users. I don't know. It, I mean, it doesn't seem like they were having too much of an issue, but but then by March 2021, Wait, what it was, was that time gap that they, there? Would you say from 70,000 to 100,000? Let's 000? see. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was thinking that was the same year. October 2019 to November 2020, they only gained 30,000. Yeah. That's probably it right there. If you're I mean, not if you're yeah. not growing 100% or three digits year yeah, over through year, 2020, you're probably yeah. not not going to keep getting millions and millions of dollars yeah. so, so let's, not a good platform. Yeah. yeah so let's uh it, well the platform actually is good um in but, fact okay. many would argue it's the best streaming service that is or was well, so it's mismanagement then actually i think it's something else um so tyler you're you're one for two today so that's cool um, <laughs> the uh i the think website the still works is, is within yeah they actually said the service is, is sort of continuing yeah you so can still subscribe they, they emerge from that 11 Eleven ninety nine a month. It's just bankruptcy. It's not a smoking. It's just bankruptcy. It's just it's just not going to pay their debtors that much. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) The uh, I think the issue comes with uh, the ideas of cloud computing in general. Like I think if we could get Jeff Bezos or Andy Jassy on here, they could talk about the earlier days of AWS. And I suspect we probably can get them on here. Yeah, let me invite them real quick. Yep, go ahead and shoot them. Make sure to use a GIF. And the Jeff going to be unemployed soon. He should have plenty of time. 
I think he I think he does have plenty of Did you hear his ex wife married a science teacher in Seattle? I did. I did. And they plan on giving away almost all of her money? Isn't that pretty much what she does already? Is yes. just give away her money. So I think that so, that's right along the lines of the plan. Last year she gave away six billion dollars and she tasked her team with finding out how to give her money away faster. She she like created She's a team this, of money giver awares. She created a team to focus on how to give away her money faster. Respect. Incredible. Okay, yeah, that's uh, it. back that's to awesome. you. I, I give away a lot of my money as well, mostly to video game companies. Um, <laughs> so what I think the issue here is, and, and other companies experience this, like Cisco experienced this, you know, and, and this is a slightly different space, but it is related, right? Cisco tried to build a cloud and they quickly realized that if you're not investing, you know, a billion dollars quarter over quarter, that you really cannot play in this space. Early cloud builders are lost leaders to get people into the service. And I do not believe that a startup can sustain the kind of liquidity required to maintain that. And so, for instance, if you say that they have 100,000 users, honestly, if you told me that Google Stadia had under 100,000 users, I would probably say, yeah, obviously. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> can't find a multiplayer game on Destiny 2, the most popular game on Stadia. You cannot queue for multiplayer. There's not enough players doing it. Wow. So... Uh, the, the reality I think here is, is that this is a space that probably I'm, I'm just, I'm just making a guess here, but it's probably really only suited for people with very deep pockets that can sustain the early losses that are probably required in order to build up a user base and then eventually adapt to this. The people like NVIDIA and Google and Amazon, Microsoft, I mean, those are the players in this space right now. So that's probably yeah, what that I makes think sense. the issue is, is they just... They drain money too quick in an area that you know you really have to get to a point where you develop serious scale uh, in order to actually turn a profit. And I think that that's. So I was right then. Mismanagement. If if they wanted the right management, management they would have just oh. got somebody yeah, with deeper pockets. They shouldn't have managed themselves into this business. Yeah. Is what Tyler is saying to make Pretty his much. case. <laughs> this oh. If they were multi-billionaires, they wouldn't have a problem. But they so they uh, had money, and then they got another thirty million euro. But then within a year, they declare bankruptcy. You need B's, not M's. That's why I said B's. Yeah, you don't need billions in investment. I think you could do a lot. Russ with made the claim dollars. that you do. Uh, I didn't make the claim. I made the fact. Uh, yeah. But there's more that I comes into this. So I want to I turn it to Stadia now. Uh, because Stadia made all sorts of promises during their sort of, not necessarily their launch, but the, the debut of you know announcing the service itself before it had ever launched. And a lot of those things didn't come to fruition whenever it first launched. It made a lot of people upset. But the services we know, at least, Tyler, you, you've used it. I've used it. It works really, really well. Yeah, and, it really does. Uh, so what they, what they promised was all sorts of things. Like if you're watching a video on YouTube, like an ad comes up. You could click onto that ad for a game and immediately launch it and start playing a demo of the game. Like those are the types of things. Or... You could take over yeah, playing a friend's a game for too. them to yeah. help them through a difficult part of a game, and then they That's could take neat. it back over, even if it's you know done remotely. So stuff like that. Well, they actually just released a uh, a pretty cool feature that says Stadia lets you play people's screenshots, and it feels kind of like the future. So if you take a screenshot cool. of a game in Stadia, and you're I guess maybe browsing your friends page or whatever it is that has a screenshot on there, and you're like, man, I want to. I want to experience that part of the of what's going on. You can literally jump into your game if you That's have it. That's pretty freaking cool. Okay, can I compare this to something real quick? I was playing no, River City Ransom. 
mute him. <laughs> this is, uh, what is this now? Uh, all right. So I was playing River City Ransom last night, which is an, an original NES game from 1989. And I went to save my progress. And then I remembered you have to go in, you go into settings and then there's a thing where you just hit password and it gives you this uh, crazy string of like, I don't know, 60 alphanumeric codes, oh, yeah. case sensitive, all that kind of stuff. So with every about. little setting within where you're at and how much money you have and whatever your health is and where you're at with coded the game, into a text. Yeah, it's all coded into that text. And so you don't actually save the game to the game. It gives you a printout of a password. And then I was like, dude, I could just this was this was so ahead of its time. I could take the password and go to my friend's house who had never played the game, just bought the game. I put in my password and all of a sudden I'm continuing the game right there. And then I seem to recall there were a few other games that operated like that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Stadia is taking that to the next level. It, it really is, and it's, it's funny like you mentioned that, of that moment. There are a lot of games that struggle with save states. Like you'll see a lot of games that'll be like they'll only shave their or save their own te- uh, checkpoints. So you get to a certain point in the game, and it saves there, but you can't just open the menu and click save any time. And the right. reason for that right, is yeah. because. It is really hard to save yeah. a point in time, i.e. appreciate your backups, people. Um, and, <laughs> and, and that is, is the thing that makes this so incredible to me is just knowing how many developers over the last three decades have really struggled with creating safe states. And Google's just like, you know what? Take a screenshot and we'll handle it from here. Like, don't That's worry crazy. about it. It really so is. My kids are struggling with um, so Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was awesome. And you could pause and save it anytime. Very yep. cool. My daughters just love that game. And then I got them, I think it was for Christmas, uh, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, the next Zelda game. You you run through this world, but it's basically like a level, but you can't save at any point in the level. You have to defeat wow. the level before yeah. Hate it. And what was crazy is with the with the switch, you can always just like turn the switch off and then turn it you next time you turn it back on, you can continue the game right there, but not with right. Hyrule Warriors. It's so weird. Really? Well, yeah. that, that has to be a, a explicit design choice then, because yeah, we've already figured absolutely. out safe states now. It's like if they don't do it, it's one of two reasons. Either they're lazy <laughs> or they're doing it because it's a part of the the actual game design mm. is it's too possible. The game's too easy. Finish a level point, you right? know. Well, you, it also yeah. sort of becomes a crutch. Like I'm thinking of uh, a game that I replayed recently. It's the Star Wars Jedi Knight JK2, and it's one of the best Star Wars games ever, maybe the best. But you definitely get really reliant on the ability that allowed you to save whenever you wanted to in the year 2000. <laughs> and uh, I've, if you were to check, they only give you like five save points. I saved so many times that I was incredibly efficient at removing multiple slots and getting a save done probably within a <laughs> second and a half because I was saving after each room I made it into. Yeah, right. Wow. So, so it definitely gets to a point to where uh, you can abuse it and uh, it sort of breaks the immersion. And some game developers, especially game designers, really, really want to control your your ability to break immersion in a game because it's mm-hmm. they, they want you to experience it a certain way. And so I think save states oftentimes become a part of it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with this whole screenshots are the future of saving sort of thing. Like being able to jump in that is awesome. So yeah. I like it. All right, cool. What else we got in the news? What else are we looking at? Mm, oh. Didn't the data center explode somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's not funny. Yeah, it's not really funny. Yeah, that's that sucks. But, what uh, happened? I didn't catch this. 
Uh, let's see. It says CEO says fire has destroyed OVH's Strasbourg Ooh. data center, SBG2. People on the site are safe. Um, another data center on the campus, SBG1, was partially burned down. So fire got, you know, one in a one in a partial of what's going on here. Uh, it's just described as a major incident. No people seem to have been harmed, although uh, me, not good. Uh, I'm seeing some responses on Twitter here. Uh, and, you know, honestly, it, it backs up a lot of conversations I bet all three of us have had in the past. Me, like most part of clients, do not have any disaster recovery plan. Yeah. How to see if my rack is safe. Like, as, if you're running a business on something, assume that a disaster can happen. Have a plan. Will, people. will happen. This is incredibly, incredibly important. Like everyone believes it won't happen to them until the data center catches on fire. And uh, DR is really expensive until the alternative is not running your business. A hundred percent. Always ask yourself the question this, if my data goes away today, am I in business tomorrow? Yep. And most of you, the answer will be no, I promise you. Some people, the answer actually is yes. And I've had them prove it to me right there. If that's the case, do not build yeah. a DR data center. Yeah, why? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, most most people, especially in 2021, uh, the answer will be no. So it, it's on that it's data. unfortunate. I don't, I don't know if they have identified the uh, the reason. No, so it. actually it says in no, so data center knowledge is reporting this as they will report on the fire incident more as they learn more. At the moment, all we know is, is that it happened. And unfortunately, many users of the service uh, did not have any form of recovery plan in place to avoid this particular scenario. So this was, yeah, uh, that's pretty wasn't, rough. Wasn't OVH, wasn't that the old uh, VMware cloud? Sure was. Yeah, OVH thing. purchased VCPP, right? Most that's of right. Those, so or they the purchased VMware, VCPP or VCloud Air. VCloud Air. VCloud Air, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't purchase y'all's program for purchasing. No, no, no. MS purchase no, yeah, <laughs> no, sorry. It was VCloud Air. It was, it was VMware's foray into a cloud service provider. Uh, OVH yeah. basically ran off with it. That was, yeah, that was quite a few years back. I think uh, mm -hmm. that might've been in a previous company days for me, whenever, whenever that took place. We might've even it? talked about uh, it on a podcast with old Hagstrom. That, that OVH move Possible. was for four or five years. So that's roughly yeah, there, right? Years it's right along that timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was close. It was I, I remember it happening hopefully, hopefully it right as it moved right. in. How, do, how does the fire suppression system not handle that? Maybe like, that's where the fire or, or started. Did just the whole thing fail? Do <laughs> oh, you think the fire was well, the fire suppression maybe system? Maybe it's like, it's like <laughs> ransomware. They go after the backup system first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing that you can do after yeah. that. I, you know, I... I don't know. Yeah. Once again, back up your databases of your backup system, people. Very important. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yep. Uh, I'm sure they're they're going to learn some things uh, if that fire was really widespread in the data center and it wasn't just you know localized to say power systems or something, which would probably take it down, take it offline for a good long time if it was not designed properly. But if the whole place literally burned to the ground or large sections of it, I think there are going to be a lot of questions about the fire suppressing system and how that was designed and tested, right? Well, if, oh, yeah. if we're going to talk about backups, I want to make sure first, is the data center fire out? <laughs> that out? I can't answer. Okay. Are we done? Because I saw last night at 10 p.m., uh, Corey Quinn at Quinny Pig on the Twitters, he said, it might behoove you to wait until the data center is no longer actively on fire before lecturing the provider's customers about the importance of backups, you condescending, <laughs> and then I won't say the next word. He yeah, said, that's me, Corey. This is clearly a subtweet. 
<laughs> nope, I'm comfortable with it, Corey. Why don't you go ahead? Because I guarantee you, someone probably from OVH told them they should do Recommended. this beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they don't get reprieved from making poor decisions. They just don't. So, Corey, if you want to come on or you want to use your Twitter character to tweet at me and, and be all angry like you usually are, please do, because that's ridiculous. If you're running your business somewhere, protect your assets. Sorry. <laughs> and there you have it. Joking or not, but uh, anyway, we did invite <laughs> him on the show. I'm I playing was... my character. Oh, to, there it to is. combat his character. <laughs> nice. Okay, I like it. He's um, always angry on Twitter, and he's very listening sending on Twitter with his character. But it is funny. He might yeah. be the most funny Twitter follow in our industry. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty funny. I was listening to him on Twitter Spaces the other day for about an hour. This was at like I uh, can do that now. Ten o'clock on Monday night. Yeah, recreational conference calls after hours. Um, it was pretty fun. Anyway, there was <laughs> there's a ton of people asking him about um, all kinds of advice around AWS billing, uh-huh. and. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I wanted to shake the room up a little bit. And I was like, what would you do if you weren't doing this? And he thought I meant, uh, like, if he wasn't currently on Twitter spaces, what would he be doing? <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. Like, would you be a helicopter pilot? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was kind of fun. Okay. Um, let's go. What else do we have? Uh, I don't know. What else do we have? I saw uh, a, a fun one about, is, is, yeah, there's a bunch of hacking. I do want to get into that. I was going to shift, but since you brought it up, um, there were two uh, big ones that I saw. One was sort of like a deep dive from Ars Technica into dependency confusion supply chain attacks and oh. how prevalent they're becoming. So um, anyone, this is particularly important in the container space because of how microservice-oriented applications are designed. And they can you know, basically draw on dependencies. You need a, a version of Redis. You need stuff like that. It's just going to call it out as a line item. And, and maybe it says latest, or it's calling for a certain release of that dependency inside of like a, a defined file. Most commonly these days, I guess, YAML, right? But the Brown. as the developers putting it together, they're going to pull down those packages. They can just declare what it is that they want. And then in the course of running that particular containerized piece, it's going to go out and it's going to go grab the other ones. Well, apparently it's becoming very common for bad actors to put malicious, uh, basically in public repositories, they're putting malicious versions of, quote, safe and regularly used applications that are often just declared as dependencies, but they'll put it as the next rev up. So they'll just do a dot release falsely make it malicious code. And then when people go and repackage those applications or redeploy them or, or any number of things that could cause uh, a container to rebuild itself, right? Um, it will go grab that malicious package, that malicious version of something. And now you have basically packaged your application as a malicious application. You're doing all of your signing and you're going to deploy it. Um, and it, it's funny because it sort of harkens to the conversation we were just having about um, resiliency and backups and DR solutions, right? This is one of those where if your plan for a containerized application landscape doesn't include some way to, to perform governance and compliance on the dependencies that your developers can just call into their applications, you're going to have a bad time. And apparently a lot of people are having bad times right now. Man, that's a... Uh... And I'm going to try not to talk about this for the next three and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> the I was literally just on Backup Central's podcast earlier this week talking about Kubernetes data protection, which is 
for many people, they believe it's it's an oxymoron. It's not. There's a lot of reasons why you would do it. I didn't think of this one, and I don't even know that this would solve the problem. But I do think about um, security built into the pipeline, mm-hmm. um, in the the whole term of DevSecOps, which is you know just another buzz term that actually is real, by the way. All of those things that are like XXXX ops, yeah. those things are actually real, even though you you only sure. hear them in buzzword context. Yeah. And so when I think of that, like the automated unit testing that you do and and the different strings you add for uh, <clears throat> for those testings around security. Some of them might be able to help with this, but if you're in, usually what you would have is you'd have two separate Git branches, and one of them would actually be on the operational side. That branch is usually the thing that gets deployed to production, and that's usually a stage right after the automated unit unit testing is done. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there needs to be another function or level of last line unit testing, because we talk about this all the time, there is actually a difference in continuous deployment or continuous delivery versus continuous deployment. And the reason, and a lot of people get them confused, like they're like, well, is it continuous delivery or is it continuous deployment in CICD? And uh, well, there are two very distinct different ways. And in continuous deployment, which is the most advanced of these options, you actually end up in a scenario where your last line of defense is your automated unit testing. And so it would be really, really easy to get past that if you gained access to the Git repo and they were these were things were just sitting in YAML files and you just versioned that differently and had a different descriptor in it. I do wonder what changes if maybe we move to, a lot of, uh, of this is moving to creating YAML out of SDKs. So, you know, basically the idea is this, developers, and I was one so I can say this, developers, uh, are are not human and YAML files are human readable files. And so they don't like YAML, but they do <laughs> like development kits and development kits and primitives that go along with them can be used to define the application construct of like what your application will look like in this declarative world out spits a YAML file. I don't know if that fixes this or not, but it's an interesting, sure that really interesting problem uh, to be dealing with. Then yeah, I'm gonna, I, I may have to test this. Yeah, well, you should play with it. I, I'm curious if it does, but uh, just thinking through how that works, I'm not sure that that, that would address this particular issue. I, I really think the only way that you're going to really address this is to have a, you're going to have to have a private repository of known good dependencies, basically. I, I don't think there's another way around it. You've got to do your own security scanning. That doesn't mean that it's impervious to this. Because your mistake could be to bring something in that effectively has a zero-day exploit on a dependency, but you're you're going to house your own approved, governed, compliant um, dependencies, and you're going to provide those as a repository to your developers. They can't just go out and grab it. And and there are tools in place that can do vulnerability scanning of those dependencies. There are tools in place that can do uh, even open source looking looking for. Uh, misuse, internal misuse of uh, licensure, basically. So scanning uh, dependencies for open use, open source code that could put you in a position where what you built on top of it is now you know free to the, the general public, for instance. Um, so those things exist. It's just, I don't know that a lot of folks are putting what feels like those shackles on their developers. They're just giving them access to the broader world of dependencies because it's simple and it works and it's easy. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the picture here 
the illustration, they provided an illustration uh, on how a malicious tech might work under this theoretical scenario. And what's interesting is, and they're using, it looks like Microsoft Teams is, is maybe the example. So they, they have the NPM and then they have the Teams build server. So the Teams build server is usually something that would replace a integration and a build team. You would those mm. team members would not lose their jobs; they would be redistributed to different parts of the pipeline. the The interesting thing here to me is that the unit and build tests are usually at that point of the pipeline. That's this is in the CI version portion of the CI CD thing that you hear about in the world. If if you're part of the 1,000 people that work in this space. <laughs> um, but it's like, if that's where this is happening, I do believe there's some form of testing that can be done here. I, I think I view this as a separate portion, but they're, they're using just a build server, by the way, to represent the entire CI. So it's probably yeah, a, a lot a more dramatic, going on there. Yeah, exactly. Dramatic oversimplification. But nonetheless, uh, I, I think, I don't know, I'm going to look into this. I find it incredibly interesting as to like where this could arise. But I will tell you, it's it's smart. It seems yes. obvious when you think about it, I think. But, you know, these hackers are are intelligent, man. Like, they yeah. they know what they're doing. Well, and, and as a reminder, right, anybody that's listening, and this isn't, you know, your world, your day-to-day, the, the idea of a supply chain attack is is sort of what predicated the um, solar winds attack, which was heavily reported on because of how dramatic its impact was to in particular US companies, right? Um, tens of thousands of companies used the same tool set for gross oversimplification way of saying this to develop applications and to, to use things like monitoring and reporting, like from SolarWinds perspective. And so supply chain attacks, if successful, give broad, almost unfettered access to a huge swath of the, the corporate infrastructure. Um, you know, in the example in that article, if, if Teams is effectively what is uh, vulnerable or creates the vulnerability, anyone who's using Team in that part of their, their build, for instance, is now going to package malicious code into something that they sign and that your computer is going to download freely thinking that it's good to go. And so... Seeing these uh, proliferate is actually really disturbing, but it's not surprising. And you're spot on, Russ. It's it's intelligent, very, very intelligent. Yeah, I know we say that we should have um, a security expert come in here all the time because that of that I am not. Um, mm, you know, I, I deal with it day to day, but I'm not. I mean, we have a, we have security teams that are far more adept at this than me. And I guess I could bring one of those members on. There you go. Uh, um, but it's funny. I'm just looking at the comments here, and someone wrote, um, "Can we get a law sign that prohibits the words network and security from ever being used in the same paragraph?" <laughs> and someone <laughs> quoted it and said, "Sure, your post is now banned." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, Classic. That's awesome. Classic. Well, moving on to something way more related. fun. Uh, oh, science. No, not related at all. That's uh, enough of that. No, I was going to um, say something related to hacking. It's the top no, thing on no more hacking. It's fine. This okay. this is only hacking because scientists are building robots, and we often call building robots some form of hacking, right? Um, the scientists are working on software robots to explore uh, the super deep parts of the ocean around the world, which is really cool. Soft robots, softer robots, so like squishy, squishy okay. bones, yeah, squishy like flesh-like stuff. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so they talk about a lot Cephalopods. of the, the fish. 
and animals that you find very, very deep in the ocean. And uh, they have not overcome all of the issues. It doesn't propel itself very well now, so it can't really deal with currents. Um, but uh, it, it reminded me of the like the human muscle sort of uh, robotics mm -hmm. that we've discussed in the past. And uh, I immediately thought, how cool would it be to have like ultra deep oceanic drones and just like swarms of them that were out mapping and, and grabbing information from, from the ocean. I wonder how many thousands it would take for us to actually get an idea of what the heck's going on there. My guess is many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I like the, uh, I like the squishy idea, right? Cause when you get under the crushing depths, um, it's, it gets pretty crazy. But uh, I think you'll probably run into a lot of uh, environmental regulation issues having it, if we try to put thousands of no, drones at the bottom of the seat. Build it, of build it off of the trash islands. If you use the trash islands to make okay. the robots, then you're winning. And there's an infinite argument. supply of trash. Yeah, the there's, there's all kinds of arguments about uh, the increased level of noise and just sure. kind of general pollutive effects of uh, humans doing things in the ocean like that. But yeah, I get it. I, I would I'd still like to see it because I think there's oh, yeah. a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's an appropriate hurdle, too. Without right? that like, kind of friction, if, if there is none there, then, yeah, that would be so well, cool. Or if they, they design it to circumvent that, right? Like yeah, if yeah. its power source comes from somehow the crushing depth of the ocean, that would be really cool. What? Know that we it, have gets, it would grow more right and more now. powerful over time. Yes, which actually <laughs> now it's horrifying. Great. This is how you get what water net. Um, Waternet. but uh <laughs> yeah the sky net what are we on okay um that's that's cool anyway uh hackers say they breached verkata did y'all see this one it accessing this feeds one. yeah feeds and archives of 150,000 surveillance cameras inside In clinics, this police precincts jails schools tesla yeah. facilities and, and the group said that they wanted to show the prevalence of surveillance so they hacked yeah. into this sequoia backed startup verkata and boom instant feeds it's crazy you go look at some of the, uh, the stuff that's coming out on this uh where's this one another video shot inside a tesla warehouse in shanghai shows workers on an assembly line the hacker said they obtained access to 222 cameras in tesla factories and warehouses they had yeah. backup feeds too so it's, it's a lot a lot of data that they got access to interestingly here is that this was not a clever sophisticated attack no uh they uh the the, the startup um Verkata, basically posted an administrative manual that ended up having keys to the kingdom in it. What? So okay. They I didn't had, realize it was they that. Had, they had oh an administrative what? account that was uh, broadly given administrative rights everywhere, no. and, and they posted it online openly. And, uh, hackers, Are they going to blame it on the internet? This is, again? Those, this is where like the word hacker in this case, it's like, ah, oh, we need a different Hardly. word for this. Yeah. That's just a dude who walked through an open door. Sure. And <laughs> or do that. It's somebody. Or do that. Yes, yes. Somebody just walked through an, a wide open door. Yeah. Like that's just walking that's through the front door and having access to all the things. That's it's not that is hacking in the lightest terminology. Yeah. Jeez. Have you guys seen any? And I, I've, I've posted on Twitter about this before, but about like the videos where uh, some YouTubers will they're they're hackers and they they scam the scammers. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. There, yeah. I think there's a subreddit dedicated to this too, and some it's of them, so good. they are epic stories where they have had people meet them in the middle of Africa to try to exchange a couple hundred dollars, <laughs> and I, some of them are just 
epic off the charts. Um, yes, I've seen that, and it, there's and I, I wish I could remember his name because I want to I want to give him credit. Um, but there's one guy I, I want to say he's he's probably British just based off of his accent that that does this, and I think he's the best at it. Um, the um, the interesting thing about him is he actually posted one video where he had gained access to like CCTV cameras. And so he not only was able to tell them, he, he always tells them where they are and he calls them <laughs> by their first name and they lose their minds. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty funny the way he does it, but this time he was wow. like, he could see them and he's like, you're in this building on this floor in this room your chair is red. Like it was like all this That's stuff. Creepy. Yeah. And, oh and they were gosh. like, they were like, no, no, Who no, you don't, you? you don't know that blah, blah, blah. And like, and then eventually he got them to shut down their operation, like, uh, which they probably restarted in a week, but nonetheless, it was, uh, it's pretty cool, man. I, I love, I love those things and the, the way that the conversations go, but go check those out. Just Google them. Um, you know, scammers getting scammed or, or whatever it might be on YouTube. You'll yeah. find a lot of them and they are hilarious. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, all right. Uh, we have one more. Can I, can I throw one more down? Russia. Yeah, yeah let's to, do one more. All right. Russia moves to slow Twitter's speed after what? Uh, after what? Protest row threatens what? total block. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen a bunch of stuff where Twitter is taking things down. Uh, what was it? The Myanmar military, all that kind mm. of stuff. Anyway, Russia is saying that there's a list of over 3000 tweets that they're demanding Twitter to take down. Uh, Twitter's not doing it, not complying with the deletion deletion demands. The move, let's see, what's this quote here? The move, which escalates a growing standoff between Moscow and U.S. social media firms, comes weeks after Russian authorities accused Twitter of, uh, and others of failing to delete posts. It said, illegally urged children to take part in anti-Kremlin protests. So I Illegally? Illegally urged. I don't know how that, I mean, it's illegal by Russian standards, I guess. Oh, of course, yeah. Right. You can't protest against the government in most yeah. countries. Okay, not so uh, not to bury the lead. I was trying I to figure out what slowing down meant. You, yeah, they're I don't literally going to throttle speeds yeah. on social media <laughs> platforms. So they're going to throttle just the make internet. it unusable. Yeah, yeah for things. Like, yeah, yeah. That's and pretty we've, annoying. We've seen that happen with Facebook in certain areas as well, where they said, "If you don't do this, if you don't, you know, remove limit bandwidth." This is well, why we like net neutrality, people. Have, they need to have a singular representative in every country for Facebook. We've talked about this before that represents <laughs> all of Facebook's interests yeah. and is, is controlled by that government. Like, why, I don't know why Facebook doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't want to lose the Netherlands. Come on. They don't. That's, Makes sense. They need it. They need all the different gotta places. Got to have it. Everybody's got to have it. I don't actually remember if that was the place I hear the Netherlands are I awesome. Don't. The Netherlands are awesome. You've been it's there. Awesome. The slowing down, yes, will, of course. The slowing down will be applied to 100% of mobile devices and on 50% of non-mobile devices. So, what does that what? mean? I'm I don't know exactly. what. I'm struggling to understand how they're just slowing down Twitter, but I know, the, it seems like something that I should understand. Yeah, the, but I, they, they can manage that through their local ISPs. Oh yeah, that that, yeah. that makes sense. It's, yeah. This is this sense. is why we argue about net neutrality so much for yeah, the United States because we don't want to give ISPs the ability to slow down competitive products because yeah, you know, technically I, I, I forget trivial. that they have control over that all the all things. things. The other thing I realized right after we moved <laughs> off of OVH onto the dependency confusion stuff is that both OVH and Shadow Cloud Gaming are French. Oh yeah, little, little, uh, yeah. French tech. A little French trouble there. Shadow runs in OVH. Also, OVH <gasps> is 
It stands for nah, yeah. This uh, that was my next thought, but they declared bankruptcy um, months. Well, no, it was the same month, dude. What dude, if have we solved if? it? I don't, think don't, we don't. just solved it. They just you lost think, everything. You think Shadow set fire to the data center? So I think they didn't have a disaster money? recovery plan. Oh no! <laughs> I think <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> Uh, so OVH is French for we host you. It's a it's an acronym, and I'm not going to pretend to be able to pronounce it in French. Oh come but, on! Uh, it stands for we host you. Fair enough. That's cool. All right, we shutting it down. You got to go. We are. I got to go. It's it. It's over. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We had a great time. We hope you enjoyed it as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing things with your friends and supporting us on Patreon or elsewhere. Engage with us on the Twitters because we love it. And anywhere else you can think of, which I feel like we should be branching out at this point, but we have it that much. Go get some swag. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Later. Later.